Pastor Ron, if you'll help us. Way too high. Happy birthday to you. Do we have any other birthdays this week? Anybody? Any, anybody? Um, just remember October 28th, very special day. That's my birthday. Start planning early. <laughs> hey, if you have a weapon, go with me. Uh, I'm going to visit two locations today. Titus which is directly after 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is directly after 1 Timothy. I want to look at Titus 2 and 13. I'd like to look at Hebrews 12 and 1. Uh, there was a blonde driving on Interstate 75. She kept swerving from one lane to another. State trooper pulled her over, walks up the car and says, what's going on? She said, officer, there's trees everywhere, and I keep swerving to miss them. He said, ma'am, those aren't trees. That's your air freshener. That has absolutely nothing to do uh, with the podcast today or the teaching today, but I thought that was, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. Titus 2 and 13, looking. I'm going to say looking. There's four things we're going to look at today. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A promise of the rapture and the return the church eagerly awaits the resurrection, the return of Christ. That is our story. That is our song. That uh, we don't belong here. We're just uh, drifters. And uh, there's a place that we belong. And it's the presence of God. And he will send his son one day to take us home. And the way things are going in the world, it looks like the time is drawing near. I believe there aren't any prophecies left to fulfill to usher in the presence of Christ except for a world revival. The Bible says there will be a great harvest of souls uh, before the Lord returns, and so we pray for that revival, and we at Harvest do not want to miss that revival. We want to be a part of that when God begins to move. Amen? Amen. The second passage of Scripture is in Hebrews 12 and 1, directly after the 11th chapter, the faith chapter of the Bible. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at somebody and say, there is a beginning, there is an end. There is a start, there's a finish. There's an author, and there's a finisher. And he promises to be in our life to help us finish some of the things that we start. As Pastor Ronan mentioned this morning, you have to give something to step into that blessing. I believe God has started some things in your life. I believe God wants to complete some things in your life that you can go on to another place. My thought this morning is from, obviously, Hebrews 12, which says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, keeping our eyes on him and expecting some kind of end, an ocarea, the end of a matter, that God brings closure in our life and opens doors for us to go into other areas of our life. Can anybody relate? And sometimes I kind of get stuck where I'm at, and I really want to, to push forward, uh, as I share with you, Pastor Billy 
shared a word with me two weeks ago. He said, don't get so hung up on your agenda that you forget your vision. And if we're not careful, it's, it's hard to grasp. Here we are a week later. We were just here last Sunday, and it's like time is just blowing out the door. It just seemed like the, the, the clock is, 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 is circling so quickly. And I reflected this morning and asked myself, what did I do in the past seven days to make me a better person? What did I do in the past seven days to make me a better Christian? What did I do in the past seven days to make me a better son? What did I do in the past seven days to make me a better husband? Every morning when I get up, I ask Pastor Rhonda how she slept. She will respond, and then after coffee, I will ask her, is there anything I can do for you today to take pressure off of you? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that noble? Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing for a husband to do? I, I can't get my arm back there. I'd pat my back, but I got a crick in my neck, so I won't be patting my back today. But every, every day, you should reflect. You should have something before you to make you a better person. Whether it's a book you're reading, whether it's a CD you're listening to, whether it's, whether it's being involved in some kind of ministry or some kind of intercessory prayer, Every day, you should be doing something to, to climb this mountain to get to the place that God wants you to be. The title this morning, Austin, is Distractions, Detours, and Dead Ends. And my message this morning has purpose, and my title has meaning. About every 8 to 12 weeks, I will drive to Sandy Hook, Kentucky. On a Friday, I will get a room, and the next morning, I will get up and go to a maximum security prison. There I will spend two to five hours uh, ministering and visiting. And so uh, this Friday was, was no different than eight weeks ago. I, I text in uh, Sandy Hook, Kentucky, and there were two routes available. There was the one route, and then there was another route that was like seven minutes quicker. So wanting to get there seven minutes quicker, I took the alternate route. And saints, I'm telling you, I, I wound so far out in the country, you had to go towards town to hunt. I found myself on gravel roads. I found myself on a dirt road. And then I found myself at a, at a dead end where it was posted, trespassers will be shot. And I got to wondering if Gene or any of his relatives were in that area. Was there a moonshine still or was there a marijuana patch? So I very carefully backed out the driveway and actually got to where I was going. But it wasn't a quicker route. It was a longer route. And I've learned that sometimes the shortest route is not necessarily the best route. So coming home Saturday, I again gave uh, uh, GPS another chance. And I promise you, it took me on pretty much the same street. I missed the dead end. I actually made it. And uh, while I was on that detour going uh, obviously out of the way, I uh, come around a curve and there were five doe deer in the field next to me. And looking at the deer, I almost ran off the road because I wasn't paying attention. So yesterday I, I encountered distractions, detours, and dead ends. And you've got to be careful that you don't allow those things to stop or hinder or keep you from receiving God's best or being God's best. And when we look at the scripture that says, looking unto Jesus, I wrote some notes here. And the first note I wrote is that when you look back, thank God for where you're at now. When you look back, thank God for where you are now. There's a scripture we quote quite a bit. It's Philippians 3 and 13. 
it says, wherefore, it says, uh, uh, finding my brethren, help me, Pastor Rhonda, uh, looking at, help me, um, anybody, Philippians 4 and 13, where I press towards the mark of the, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth the things before, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. So when you begin to reminisce or you begin to reflect, of where God, where God brought you from, it's a wonderful day. We sing that song that says, Becky, if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. So as we look back and we begin to share our testimony and look where God has brought us, we step into a thankful mode. In Ephesians 4 and 24, it says, In everything give him thanks, for this is the will of the Father concerning you. God's will today for you in your life is to give thanks for everything. And sometimes things don't look all that great or all that wonderful, but when you live that, you live that season out and you see all the accomplishments and all the things that God does, you look back and say, It didn't make sense yesterday, but it makes sense today. Here's why God brought me here. Here's, God, here's why God allowed this to happen. I believe that we go through tests, and I believe the reason that we go through tests is so that we can receive a testimony. God told Satan, have you considered Job? He's perfect in everything he does. He's healthy. He's holy. And the devil said, yeah, I've seen him. You've got a hedge built around him. I can't touch him, but you lower the hedge. I promise you I'll get him to recant and to curse you and die. And God said, go for it. You know the story, several things the devil tried to do to stop Job to cause Job to reflect on his past and look at the hurts and the pains of yesterday. But through it all, Job said, though he destroy me in my flesh, I shall see God. And aren't you glad this morning that one day there's going to be a trumpet and the dead in Christ, including Job and all the Old Testament saints, are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord so we'll ever be with the Lord. Does that excite anybody in this house today? So we thank God for that testimony. I was born and raised in a true, true Pentecostal church. And about every we had services on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday morning, Sunday night. Four times a week we went to church. And sometimes on Wednesday night we had what was called a testimony service. And that's where someone would stand up and testify, and then they would bless somebody. And whoever they blessed, they had to stand and testify. And I remember growing up and hearing them say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost, and I bless Brother Michael. So it's Michael's turn to stand up and share testimony and bless somebody else. Yeah, go ahead. No, but if you did, I wouldn't have to preach anymore. We'd, we'd have it covered in the testimony. So there's a reason. There's always a reason why we go through things. And there's sometimes, I, I personally believe this, I think sometimes we will go through things that we will never understand or will never have closure or will never get, will never get a, a sense of answer, and that's faith. And there's a song that says, farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. 
we'll understand it all by and by. So sometimes when things come that we don't have explanations or don't have understanding or definitions, those are the seasons of our life. Brother Michael said, even though I have a sinus infection, I give God glory, a sinus confession and a sinus infection, I give God glory. You know what? It could be worse. He could have pneumonia. It could be worse. It could be me. So even, even, in the, in, even in the dark hours of our life, in the dark moments of our existence, we can give God thanks and give God glory for where he brought us from to where we are right now. As we look back, we also look forward. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. It's a trust issue. When we look forward, we begin to know that God has our future God's already worked it out for our good. He's promised us an expected end. The promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. And I wrote a scripture here, probably my second favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Obviously, my first favorite scripture is John 3, 16. No words, truer words ever spoken. But Isaiah 40 and 31, but they that wait upon the Lord they shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So as we look forward on this path that we're on, I got a phone call this week concerning something I said last week about where, where David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Watch this. If you're running a race, you'll run right past every scoffer, every sinner, and every, everybody that's operating, you'll run right past it. They won't distract you. They won't deter you. They won't hinder you if you're running past. But if you pause and begin to take your time and you begin to lag in the kingdom and procrastinate and don't finish what you start and don't do things you know you should do, you'll find all kinds of people in your life with all kinds of attitude in, in your life trying to tell you how you should live and what you should do when they don't have their own act together. They take attention off of them and try to put it on you. Does anybody know somebody like that? Please don't lift your hand, but they are everywhere. Look at somebody and say, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So as we look back, as we look forward, and then as we look around, look at somebody and say, around. As you begin to look around, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry, brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my goings, and put a new song in my mouth. Aren't you glad this morning as you look around in this room today, you can see God moving? You can see God working? Aren't you glad that when you leave this place and you head home that you can see God moving and see God working in your life? He's changing things. He's bringing things into fruition. He's putting all the ingredients into the pie. Aren't you glad for that, that you've turned your life over to him and you allow him to do that? And then you begin to look around and see all the doors he will open, all the doors he will close. How many knows that sometimes God closes doors? How, how many knows that sometimes God takes people out of our life? And it hurts our feelings and we get heartbroken, but they weren't encouraging us. They weren't bettering us. And God didn't call us to particularly minister to them. So he will remove them out of our life and he will put good people in our life. Two out of every three people in the world is good. Look to your left. Look to your right. And you can determine which two of the three are good. All three. Pastor Ron has said all three. As I, as, I, as I look at the, the Word of God and look at our thought today about distractions, detours, and dead ends, I've realized that there's a song that says, God uses people 
ordinary people. Anybody ever heard that? God uses ordinary people. And I wrote down here, sometimes God uses losers and failures and breakups and hurts and hangups. Can anybody relate? Isaiah 55, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Aren't you glad that God is near to you? And he doesn't necessarily care about your ability, but he cares about your availability. And a lot of times God, in the word of God, will use broken people, frustrated people, hurt people, wounded people, turn their life around, give them a testimony, and then put it in his book so that we can read and we can grow strength from that testimony and strength from that story. The Bible is full of stories that encourage us and build us up and bless us. But nine times out of ten, when God uses somebody, they usually have some kind of shortcoming or some kind of failure or some kind of fault. I look at the Bible and look at Jacob. Jacob was the baby of the family. He was a mama's boy. He stayed inside while his brother Esau went out and hunted, and mom was partial to Jacob. And mom came up with a plan to deceive the brother, deceive the father, so that Jacob would get the first fruit blessing. Jacob was a cheater. But later, God allows Jacob to have 12 sons that turn into the 12 tribes of Israel that are more than the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. God blessed Jacob even though he was a loser. He was a cheat. He was a deceiver. The word Jacob means supplanter, deceiver. God changed his name to Israel, which means people of God. Aren't you glad this morning that God can change your name? from drug addict to alcoholic to this or that, and call you a new name. There's a new name written down in glory. Aren't you glad for that in this house this morning? And then I look at Peter. Peter had a temper. He was the guy right after Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Peter goes and gets mad and cuts the guy's ear off. And, and obviously that's not the way we Christians roll, although there are times when I would just like to take somebody out. I mean, there are times where I would like to get them to the altar, pray them through, make sure they're saved, and then hit them over the head with a shovel and send them on to heaven. Do I have a friend in the house today that has somebody like that in their life? They ain't never going to get it. They ain't never going to pay attention. They are a pain in every single area of your body, not just your gluteus maximus, and you just wish that God would take them out. I'm glad you're not in that place today. But Peter had a temper. But then Peter later walks on water. Peter later preaches a sermon. Peter later raises a man that's at the gate called Beautiful, writes two beautiful letters in the, in the Word of God, and gave his life. History says that Peter and his wife did not feel like they were worthy to be crucified like Christ, so they requested to be crucified upside down. Peter gave his life for the cross, but Peter had a temper. And then I look at David, a man after God's own heart. David was somewhere he shouldn't have been. David should have been in bed. He was depressed. He was up late in the, in the night. He saw someone else's wife, and he, and he sent for her. And you know the story, David had an affair. But we look at the life of David and look at all the words he was inspired to give us. The Lord is my shepherd. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come into his presence. All those wonderful truths that David, even though David was an adulterer, God used David to bless us with some of those powerful scriptures in the Bible. Aren't you glad this morning for David, even though he had an affair? Then I think of Noah. Noah got drunk. Noah woke up one day and the world was dead. Everything was dead. Every animal, every bird, every man, every woman, dead. 
Noah got depressed, and he planned his depression. He planted a vineyard. He fermented the grape, and he got drunk. And we, all, we always say, Noah shouldn't have done that. Well, you wake up tomorrow, and everybody's dead, and see how you respond. Noah did not respond correctly, but there was a day when God told Noah, you found grace in my sight. I want you to build an ark. I'm going to save your family. I'm going to touch the world. I'm going to bless the world with your seed. Even though God used Noah, Noah got drunk. Now, I'm not telling you to run out and plant a vineyard. I'm not telling you to run out and, 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 and get drunk. The only good that a liquor store has is yesterday I was lost beyond lost, and I pulled into a liquor store, and sure enough, they knew how to tell me to get where I'm going. So the good could come out of everything. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not sure where he's going with that. I think of the life of Paul. Paul was an assassin. Paul was a murderer. Paul destroyed families. He would go with a band of soldiers in the middle of the night. He would separate husbands from wives, wives from children. Sometimes the husband would be a gladiator. Sometimes they fed the children to the lion. That's what Paul was responsible for. But when Paul was converted, his name was changed, and he began to write the, 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 the writings that God gave him. He begins to talk about the return of Christ. He begins to talk about the power of the church. He begins to talk about elders and deacons and how we can follow God and be what God wants us to be. Even though he was an assassin, God still used him. So those of you that are thinking about going out and killing somebody, there you have it. Look at somebody and say, I hope he's kidding. I look at Gideon, who was insecure. Gideon did not see himself the way that God saw him. God doesn't see you concerning your past. God sees you concerning your destiny. And that's how God operates in your life, to help you pursue your destiny. Gideon was, it was hiding in the, shade, in the shade of a wine vat. He had a little field of beans. I don't know how big the field was. I don't know if it was the size of this side of the church or that side of the church. But the reference shows it wasn't really a very big field. And he was watching over that field to make sure the Philistines didn't pilfer it and, 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 and take, take the, the, the fruit there that had been planted. And God came to Gideon and said, O thou mighty man of valor, even though he was insecure, he rallied the troops. He put 300 men armed with torches, trumpets, and vases and destroyed an army of thousands. Even though he was insecure, God used him even in his insecurity. And you feel like, well, I can't do that. I can't be this. I can't accomplish that. No, you say this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And then I think of Miriam. Miriam was a sister of Moses. And she was a gossiper. All she did was run her mouth. She was a mouth runner, putting down Moses, his actions, and everything that he was going through, even though God was judging Moses and telling him how to live his life. Isn't it funny that God gives us guidelines on how to live our life? There's always somebody that wants to give their interpretation or their translation. And Miriam was a gossiper. But the Holy Ghost came upon Miriam, and she wrote the, the psalm about the horse and rider that he cast into the sea. Even though she was a gossiper, God turned her words around and gave her a song, a new song, that Israel still today sings that psalm. Isn't that exciting? Then there was Martha. Martha was a, a worrier. Martha worried that Mary was going to get more praise to Jesus than her. And he, she wanted Mary to help, help her cook. And, and Jesus told her, what you're doing is good, but what Mary is doing is best. She's pursuing me. She's following after me. I'm glad there's a Mary and a Martha in my life, aren't you? 
I'm glad that there's a worshiper, but then there's a woman that stays home and cooks meals and makes the bed, washes the clothes, vacuums the rud, and picks up the, the mail. Aren't you glad that you have that in your life, Gerald, today? So there she was, a warrior, but God used her and allowed her to minister into Jesus. I look at the life of Thomas. Thomas was a doubter. I didn't see it. I don't believe it. It's kind of that show me. What is that, Kansas, the show me state? Missouri? Missouri, the show me state. Thomas said, I want to see it. And lo and behold, Jesus reappears and allows Thomas to touch the, the scars in his hands, touch the scars in his feet, and touch the scars in his, in his side. And from that day till now, we've quoted Dom, Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. But you know what? There have been times in my life when I have doubted the promises and the, and the things of God. I sat with a man yesterday who is going into 17 years of incarceration. He's told when he can brush his teeth. He's told when he can uh, go to sleep. He's told every single area of his life is mandated by the prison system. And yesterday he looked at me and said, Pastor Hank, do you believe I'm coming out? Do you believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come out? And I said, Pastor John, I believe. And then I said, you know what? There's a difference, Linda, between believing and knowing. And I looked at him, I said, I just don't believe in your innocence, but I know God is going to release you and God's going to set you free and God's going to allow you to enjoy your grandkids and your family and your ministry and the books you've written will publish them. And I said, the first place I want you to preach is the Church of the Harvest. I don't care if it's a week or a month after your release. I want you to come and minister to us because we know that you're coming out. We know you're innocent, and we believe that God is faithful. Aren't you glad this morning that God is faithful? Not always on the time frame that we want him to be on. Uh, Pastor John is, is seriously affecting that prison. He's teaching about three or four times a week, and those of you that sit under his teaching know that he's an anointed scholar anointed teacher. He's working with the chapel. God's using him. Men come to him throughout the week and ask him to pray. And I said, I'm glad God's using you. He's got about 40 in his Bible study. I'm glad that God is using you. But Pastor John, when you're released, we won't forget this prison. We'll raise up teachers. We'll raise up ministry. We'll, we'll, we'll fund it. We'll support it. Uh, I asked about three years ago for Perry to go with me. And we flew in on Perry's plane and Perry ministered to the prison. There are about 800 men. They're all in one setting. I said, Pastor John, now that you know what prison ministry is all about, when you're released, you'll know how to effectively help it. I know you may say, well, you're grasping for straws, Pastor Hank. No, I'm telling you, in everything, give him thanks. Whether you are in a pit or a palace or a prison or a pantry, you need to realize there is a reason I am here. There's a reason why I'm going through this. God knew. He said he wouldn't put me through more than I can handle and I'm telling you, being incarcerated for 17 years, that's a long time. And you, you can get a lot of doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of worry. But when I left him yesterday, he said, I believe, no, I know I'm coming out. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that promise. Sarah was impatient. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. Sarah laughed. And God said, just for that, you're going to name your first, your first son Laughter. And aren't you glad this morning that even though that we are impatient, we want God to do it now? Anybody want God to do it now? We live in a now generation. I don't know if it was you Wednesday night that talked about instant. Everything's got to be right now. Everything's got to be the fastest route, the fastest meal, the fastest this, the fastest that. 
But God sometimes is not a right now God. The, the word says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry, brought me out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth. If you won't get impatient, I promise you, God will give you a new song, a song of victory, a song of hope, a song of restoration, and a song of meaning. Do I, meaning, do I have a friend in the house today? And then a lot like us, Elijah was moody. He just saw fire come down from heaven. He just saw the, the priest of Baal consumed and trashed and destroyed. But he was afraid of Jezebel. And he was afraid that Jezebel was going to get him. And he went one day he's on top. The next day he's on the bottom. One day, got anybody like that in your life? They go up, they down. There are people, and I won't tell you who, but there are people in my life that I can affect their day just by one comment. Just by one comment. I was at one of the strongest Church of Gods in the nation preaching, and the pastor is a dear friend of mine. If I said his name, you would know him. And uh, after, after the morning service, it was a great service. It was a great church. After the morning service, we went out to eat, and knowing him the way I know him, I said, Pastor, did you feel like the people were kind of sitting down on the, on the spirit this morning? Did you feel like they were kind of... And you know what? It wasn't that kind of service at all. It was a great service. People in the altars, people got saved, people got delivered. There was a healing line. People were falling down. I don't know what that's all about. But people were falling down and falling out. But that one statement from my mouth, I, I, in, I hindered and hurt the rest of his day. And I've learned not to do that a whole lot because I don't want people to have bad days. But even though Elijah was moody, the Bible says Elijah outran a chariot and got there before the enemy got there. Let me tell you something. God can get you to your place of victory before the enemy can get there. God can give you victory before the enemy is ever identified. God will allow you to be the spoils, collect the spoils that the enemy wanted to take from you. Aren't you glad that he's that kind of God that cares? And then I look at Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute. She was a hooker. And people say all this and all that. But when you look, when Jesus was at the banquet, it was Mary that washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, and took her life savings and anointed his feet and anointed his head. And here we are 2,000 years later, <coughs> still talking about Mary. Wouldn't you want to be that kind of person, no matter what your past, whether you was in adultery or you were in pornography or you were in, you were in fornication or you were in uh, prostitution, that God could take that past and turn it around and give you a brand new future and you enjoy who you are in the things of God. Then I look at, my, 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 I look at my, 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 my Moses, who was a stutterer. And he couldn't talk, he, could, he told God, I can't, I, can't, I can't speak eloquently, I, can't, I'm, I, I stutter. So God gave him Aaron, who was a smooth operator and a smooth talker. Don't feel like this morning because you don't have a good voice to sing, or you don't, and this is especially for Austin and Angel. If you don't sound all that great singing, God still honors your voice, and God still honors your song, and God still honors your ministry. Aren't you glad for that? God uses Moses to bring three million people out of Egypt into the land of promise, even though he stuttered. And then I look at Abraham, who was just old. He was just old. Yesterday, without asking, I got the senior citizen coffee at McDonald's. I saved. It was, it was a dollar regular. It was 30, 36 cents. I got my feelings hurt because she assumed that I was old. And I said, how old do you think I am? 
And then they always lie. Always. Oh, well, you look about 50. I said, so your senior citizen thing starts at 50? Really? You think I look 50? I said, well, if I get the senior citizen, then I want the frosty for, I want the frosty that goes with it. She discounted my entire meal just because I looked old. But God used Abraham to bring children, Isaac, into the world that, that birthed Jacob and the 12 sons of Israel. God uses old things. And then last but not least, I look at Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. That's not very good. He was dead. He died, and he was in a tomb. He'd been there four days. He was getting ripe. But God, Jesus said, Lazarus' name, and Lazarus came out. Do you know why Jesus said Lazarus' name? Because had he just said, arise, every dead person in that vault would have come to life and walked out that vault. So Jesus got personal and said, Lazarus, I'm telling you, Jesus gets personal in your life. He will speak to you directly and tell you where you're going, what you need to do, and what he has for you. I wrote down this. I may have said it a little earlier. God doesn't call the qualified. The qualified usually have their own agenda. The qualified think they know more than anybody else. The qualified want to do it their way. Look what that got Elvis. But God doesn't call the qualified. He, help me qualifies the called. How crazy is that? My notes here said, God will match your effort. God will respect your hustle. God will protect your heart. God will uplift your spirit. And God will love you unconditionally. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the past 20 minutes. We thank you for doors that you open and doors that you close. We thank you for confirmation. We thank you for direction. We thank you that when the word is spoken clearly, he that has an ear hears what you're saying, translates it, deciphers it for himself, and then operates on it. Lord, we came in one way, let us leave another. Lord, we, we came in an hour behind, but let us catch up. Lord, let us realize this next week is full of opportunity, full of prayers to pray, full of songs to sing, full of things to do, full of books to read, full of CDs to listen to full of ministry that we can be involved in. Let our life be a light. Let us make a difference in someone's life. And let us realize there's going to be detours, things that try to take us away, distractions, things that cause us to lose our focus, and dead ends, things that we sow that there's no meaning there. But allow our life to be fruitful. Let this be a good week in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. Amen. Did you enjoy that word?